0: If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 22. Acts chapter 22 for this morning's message. Imagine for a moment, if you can just use your mind, think about a household job that you've been putting off. Have you been putting anything off at home? A light bulb that needs switched? A garage that needs cleaned? A bush that needs trimmed? A yard that needs mowed? Has there been something that you've been putting off at home? I want you to take a moment... Uh, If you're sitting next to somebody, tell the person next to you what you've been putting off. Just tell the person next to you what it is you've been putting off. All right. I didn't say four or five things. I just said one thing, guys. Come on now. If you were to ask my wife that question about a year ago, we would have laughed and said a bathroom vanity. She wanted a new bathroom vanity in the master bathroom. Well, her bathroom, but that is the master bathroom. (laughs) Whenever you say that's actually the correct phrase, master bathroom, her bathroom. But she kept asking, can we have a uh, a new bathroom vanity? Well, here was the deal. I kept putting it off. And it wasn't because we didn't have it. We had the bathroom vanity out in our barn uh, where we lived at that time. Actually, here was the problem. We had had the bathroom vanity for three years and she had been asking for three years. Every week, are you gonna put the bathroom vanity in? Nathan, I I would get a text in the middle of work. Uh, If you get a chance, can you get that bathroom vanity in? (laughs) Well, here's what it ended up happening. And eventually, uh, (laughs) Doug really tackled it more than me, but we finally got it done. Eventually... Those questions on my phone when I was in the middle of work and, and it's, hey, if you get a chance, can you put the bathroom vanity in? Do, do you know what I learned about those? Even though they had a question mark on the end of them, those weren't questions. Those were statements. Do you know what I'm talking about? All the men are like, I know, I know. Those, she wasn't looking for an answer. She wasn't looking for an excuse. Actually, there was no right way to answer the question because it wasn't a question. It was a statement. I think it was a commandment, to be honest. But in Acts chapter 22, there was a man by the name of Saul who had run into Jesus on the Damascus road. He had been killing Christians. He'd been persecuting Christians. He'd been anti-Christians. He'd been anti the entire movement. He's on the road to Damascus. He has an encounter with Jesus. Unable to deny anymore that Jesus is alive. He really is the son of God. He puts his belief in Jesus. He runs into a guy named Ananias. And Ananias asks him this question in verse 16 of Acts 22. And now why do you wait? Arise and be baptized. Wash away your sins. Calling on his name. Other translations say, what are you waiting for? Why do you delay? Old King James, if anybody has an Old King James. Why tarriest thou? Yeah, there it is. There it is. Yeah, a real Christian back there. What are you waiting for, Paul? Do you think that's really a question? You think he was looking for an answer? No excuses. What are you waiting for, Paul? Arise and be baptized. Wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Charles Stanley once said, obey God. And leave all the consequences to him. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Let me say it again. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Would you say that with me? Delayed obedience is disobedience. James 4 says that. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So we're going to talk about baptism today. And you say, well, where, where's this coming from? Well, we've been talking about having a relationship with Jesus for a long time, but we got a lot of questions last week about the specific topic of baptism. And more than any other aspect of what God has asked us to do, there is more confusion about baptism than any others. Most Christians agree that you need to hear the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Most people believe that you need to have faith. You need to believe. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Most people agree you need to repent. Acts 17, now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. Scripture never says Christians are perfect, but it does say that we turn towards Christ in our behavior and attitude. And most people don't disagree that you need to confess. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth he confesses resulting in salvation. But have you noticed that there's been a lot of questions about baptism? There's a lot of views, there's a lot of practices, there's a lot of confusion. Who should be baptized? How old should you be when you're baptized? How should you be baptized? How much water with the baptism? And what is the purpose of baptism? Is it involved in the salvation process or is it just an outward symbol of an inward happening? Jacob Smirnov, in his book, Six Rubles a Day, coming from the Soviet Union said, I was not prepared for the incredible amount of products in American stores. He says he walks down a grocery aisle and he sees powdered milk. And he reads the back of the box, just add water and you have milk next time he goes in the grocery store, he sees powdered orange juice. Just add water and you have orange juice. And the next time he walks in, he saw it, baby powder. He thought, wow, what a country. (laughs) And that's how some people view baptism. If you just add water to a sinner, all of a sudden you have a Christian. But that's not what scriptures teach. In the dark ages, and the middle ages, original sin was a common belief and teaching. That the moment you're born, you have sin on you. So let's get that baby underwater as fast as we can to cleanse that sin off of them. That's called baptismal regeneration. That the water is what saves you. Let's just push pause. We don't believe that. We don't believe that water saves you. We believe that we can only be saved by the power of God. Amen? It's the blood of Christ. It's the blood of Jesus. It's being humble and obedient to what he, how he has asked us to respond. Just putting someone in water. I tell you what, you can be baptized a thousand times, but without faith, it doesn't matter. You're just going for a swim. And so we are not in that realm. But Martin Luther in that same time in the Dark Ages and a few other reformers came along. And they taught that salvation was by grace through faith. And they were right. But they went so far to go to say that it is by faith alone. Did you know that there's only one spot in your Bible that the two words faith and alone are put together? And it actually says we are not saved by faith alone. Did you know that? James chapter two, verse 24, you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. And so because baptism was given too high of a significance by one group, Martin Luther came along, and I'm grateful for what he did and what he accomplished, but he came along and swung the pendulum too far the other way and gave baptism no significance whatsoever. So can we just take a few moments? I'm going to give you five points today. I don't usually ask you to take notes, but if you want to write things down, these might be beneficial for you. Five things the scripture teaches about baptism. Number one, baptism is important. It is. This is not a ritualistic activity. It's not something that our church sat down one day and decided, you know what? We ought to create this thing called baptism. It's not something that a few elders 200 years ago said, let's, let's make sure everybody's baptized. It's not a church tradition that was started a few generations ago, and we're just keeping it going. Baptism is important to us because it's important to God. You say, well, show me where it's important to God. Okay, here we go. Put on your seatbelts. First reason, Jesus was baptized. Need we go any farther? If you want to be a follower of Jesus, Jesus was baptized. Do you remember that the heavenly father looked down on his son and said those affirming words? This is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. Do you remember when he said that to his son? When did he say that? When Jesus came out of the uh, the waters of baptism, Matthew 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. That's another term to say it is the right thing to do. Baptism was the right thing to do. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love with him. I am well pleased. The second reason it's important is because Jesus commanded baptism. Mark 16, 16. Whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. Would you read that with me? Whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. That's the words of Jesus. If you have a red letter Bible, you'll find uh, those words in red. Jesus was baptized. He commanded us to be baptized. And another reason is Jesus commanded us to baptize others. Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. What's the next word? Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Did you notice what just happened? Jesus started his ministry being baptized and he ended his ministry teaching us to baptize others. He bookended both sides of his ministry with baptism. Oh, it's important to us because it was important to Jesus. There are zero examples of someone becoming a Christian and not being baptized. Did you know that? There is never a recording in scripture of someone giving their life to Christ and not being baptized. And you say, well, what, what about that story in John 4 and John 8 and, and Luke this? and Matthew? That's actually Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is actually Old Testament passages. They actually come under the Old Covenant, not the New Covenant. The New Covenant of baptism didn't start till Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And the book of Acts is the only book we have of people becoming Christians, followers of Jesus. Acts chapter 2, first day of the church, 3,000 were baptized. Acts chapter 8, verse 13, Simon the sorcerer believed and was baptized. Acts 8, 35 through 39, Philip told the Ethiopian eunuch, "Uh, what prevents me from being baptized, there's water, and he was. Acts 9, Jesus appears before Saul of Tarsus. Same story. Acts 10, Cornelius and his household believe and was baptized. Acts 16, Lydia responds by faith and is baptized. Acts 16, Jailor responds after the earthquake. He is baptized and his entire family. Acts 18, Crispus and other Corinthians believe and are baptized. Acts 19, 12 men in Ephesus who were baptized by John the Baptist are now baptized to Christ. We have 10 examples of people becoming Christians in the book of Acts. All 10 are recorded as being baptized. When they believed all 10 of them back to the bathroom vanity, as much as I don't want to talk about it. The reason a man like myself took three years to put that in. Oh, man, this is hard for me to tell you, you know why I put it off because I didn't care. Oh, it wasn't that important to me. You know why it wasn't important to me. Number one, I'm cheap, but number two, We had a working bathroom vanity already. Why do we need a new one? That's my thoughts you wanted to know. We had a nice, we already had a working one. Why do we need another bathroom vanity? So it wasn't that important to me, but here's where I messed up. It was important to who? Which should have made it important to me. Or so I've been told. Isn't that what you told me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) I know some of you have been taught. I know this. The baptism is not important. So let me tell you this, with all the love in my heart, I can. It doesn't really matter what you think is important. If it's important to God, it should be important to you. And it doesn't matter what you were taught. And it doesn't matter how you were brought up. And if somebody said it's not important, they can say that all day long. But if that was important to her, the Vandy, it should have been important to someone who loved her. Dr. Adrian Rogers said, baptism is not incidental, it's fundamental. Don't ever minimize what God has so maximized. Jesus was baptized. He commanded baptism, told us to baptize others. Every conversion account records a baptism. Baptism is mentioned in the New Testament 75 times. It's important to him, it's important to his son, then it's important. Baptism is important. Number two, baptism is a personal commitment. It's a decision you make. Not somebody else making it for you. It's the moment I said, I'm committing my life to Christ. I am going to be a follower of him. Nobody else can make that decision for me. Nobody else can make that decision for you. Now, there are some in here that your parents or your grandparents or an aunt and uncle... Made a decision for you many years ago. Maybe you were a baby, maybe you were eight years old, maybe you were 13 years old, old, and they decided that you were going to be baptized. Let's just do a little made up parable for a moment. Let's pretend that whenever you were born, there was another lady who had a baby and and you were born and put in a bed next to another newborn baby. And that the two parents were visiting as they both gave labor together, they were visiting and they decided prearranged marriage. We're going to have these two babies. It's a boy and a girl. We're going to have these two babies get married when they're know, 22 years old. Prearranged marriage. Aren't you glad we don't have prearranged marriages anymore? Ooh, no amends. Okay. Interesting. Maybe we ought to go back to that. Actually, that might solve some of the problems, but they, they arranged never they were babies. And the kids learned about that and they grew up and they thought, man, and, and he got to know that girl and she got to know him and they're in school and he has cooties and they don't like to play. And boy, it just sounds like a bad idea. But whenever those two kids grow up to be 17, 18 years old, guess what happens? They fall in love. One of them develops a crush. They start to date. They start to court each other. They start to love each other. And next thing you know, they want to get married a few years later. i got a question for you if that is what happened and that's a pretty amazing story but if that is what happened would them getting married would them getting married honor their parents decision 20 years earlier or would it dishonor their parents decision 20 years earlier no their choice to get married later actually affirms what their parents decided Two decades earlier Some of your parents decided years ago And it's a beautiful thing That you were going to be sprinkled or, or, or you were going to be baptized as a baby And then now years later You want to personally make that commitment to be baptized And you're struggling because you're saying Wait a minute, does this dishonor my parents' decision Two decades ago? And I would tell you it doesn't dishonor it It honors it It doesn't deconfirm it It actually affirms what It, it would be a beautiful thing you, For you to follow through what your parents so wanted you to do so many years ago, First Peter three. Those who disobeyed God long ago, when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat, only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a oh, how do you respond by faith? Baptism. It's part of your response as a follower of Jesus baptism is a response what's the name of this series you don't know but it's respond to God from a clean conscience it is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ it's an appeal it's a pledge some of your translation says who makes the pledge you do not your grandma as much as we love our grandmas you have to make the pledge you're the one who responds to Jesus number three Baptism is a serious commitment. It's important, it's a personal commitment, and it's a serious commitment. I have heard people say, well, I'm not ready to be baptized because I don't want to jump into something and then back out. I want to make sure I'm all the way in. And if you look at some of the ramifications of this, baptism is serious, and and I would applaud that. If if you're sitting there saying, hey, I don't want to make just a whim-of-the-moment decision to be baptized, I want to make sure I'm all in, I would say, good job. I'm not against that. Actually, thank you for taking it seriously. Thank you for not being the person who says, I'm gonna go down in the water and come up out of the water the exact same person I was before. However, I have heard people play that card for far too long. And they've been playing that card for years. Well, I'm not ready yet. I don't know enough yet. I'm not knowledgeable enough yet. What we see in scripture Actually, what you never see in Scripture is that response right there. Hey, I'll become a Christian. I'll get baptized once I learn a little bit more. Have you ever noticed you'll never find that in the New Testament? Hmm. You never find someone say, I'm not quite ready yet, but I will be, and then you turn over a couple pages and three pages later, hey, there's that guy who wasn't ready. Now he's being baptized. Cool. You'd never see it. Actually, you never hear from him again. Rick Warren said, there are no delayed baptisms in the New Testament. When Jesus invited people to follow him, you never see Peter say, well, let me check with me, Ma, first. You don't see James and John saying, well, let me check with the bank, make sure I got enough, just in case I have to give too much to the church, and then I'll be ready. In Luke chapter nine, we have one example of somebody putting off their decision to follow Jesus. He said to another person, Come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. I'll follow Jesus, but first let me do this. I'll be a Christian, but first let me do this. We are shocked at Jesus's replies there, aren't we? He wants to bury his dad. Hey, Jesus, did you get up on the wrong side of bed that day? What in the world? Let him go bury his dad. Come on. No, what Jesus was saying was very real. If you have any excuses not to follow Jesus, then you are not following Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, when 3,000 heard the message, all 3,000 got baptized. I have a question for you. When did the 3,000 get baptized in Acts chapter 2? Verse 41 teaches us, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number when? 3,000? How long did that take? I think we would have missed lunch. We might have missed dinner. How many people did they have doing the baptizing? 3,000, are you kidding me? There are no delayed baptisms in the New Testament I find that interesting they didn't take a five week class they didn't consult with somebody beforehand they just obeyed Acts chapter 8 for someone who says they don't know enough now as they went down the road they came to some water and the eunuch said see here is water what hinders me from being baptized then Philip said now here's the qualification if you believe with all your heart you may and he answered and said I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God that's it So he commanded the chariot to stand still and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Number five, baptism joins us with Christ. I'm gonna do my best to teach this. Hey, dig in for a moment, okay? Put on your thinking caps. This is gonna be tough for me to teach, maybe tough to understand. But Romans chapter six says, have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, when were you joined with Christ? Christ. Baptism. When we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, we now also may live new lives. When did you join together with your spouse? On your wedding day. That's when you were joined together. When were you joined with Christ? You were joined together at the moment of baptism. It doesn't ever say we believe into his death. It doesn't ever say we repent into his death. It says we are baptized into his death. All the benefits of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection come to us through baptism. All throughout the New Testament, you'll hear this term, with Christ or in Christ. Romans 8, 1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The point of Romans 6, chapter 6, verse 4 is that we are in Christ. And so we have a new life. 2 Corinthians five seventeen says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The word used in the New Testament for baptism, I want you to catch this, the original language in the Greek. It is this word right here. It is the one on the left. It is baptizo. And what this word means is you are fully immersed into water or you are plunged into the water. There's another word for sprinkled, which means raptizo. Did you know in the New Testament, you will not find raptizo ever used? It'll always be baptizo. What's the commandment in the original language? Repent and be immersed or plunged under the water for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In the English language, we don't have a good word to translate this to. So we've transliterated it to the word baptism. But if we would have actually translated it, we wouldn't have called John the Baptist, John the Baptist. We would have called him John the Dipper or John the Plunger. And that just doesn't have the same spiritual ring to it, does it? So we call him John the Baptist. Number five, that one was number four. Number five, baptism is an act of obedience. And this is all we need. Nathan, you could have started the sermon right there and ended it and we could have went home a lot earlier. Baptism is an act of obedience. We didn't need the other four points. Could have been a lot shorter. Where we've gotten confused with baptism is we've turned it into a ritual rather than a commandment. John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Luke 6, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? It all starts with simple obedience. Go back to Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, all Authority. Who has authority in your life? Is it Jesus or is it someone else? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. Quick teaching. In the original language, in the name of is another term for I have pledged my allegiance to. Watch this. Baptizing them. Pledging my allegiance to the Father, pledging my allegiance to the Son, pledging my allegiance to the Holy Spirit. When are you pledging your allegiance to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? At the moment of baptism, is what Matthew 28 just taught. I've been a Christian for years and years, Nathan. Do I really need to be baptized? That may be the question today. Well, here's my answer. If you really want to obey God, you do. It's an act of obedience. Do I really need to be be bad? If you want to obey God, yes. It comes down to an issue of authority. Naaman, Old Testament story. Some of you will recognize it. He was a commander in the Syrian army. He had leprosy, incurable, right? Old Testament leprosy. And he he tries everything. He goes to every medical doctor. Uh, He even went to Herman Hospital down the road. He tried everything he could do and he couldn't get healed. And he had a little servant girl say, hey, I know a guy. In Israel, named Elisha, but he can heal you. He says, Well, what, what does it hurt? So he goes to Elisha. Elisha wouldn't even go out and talk to him. I love it. Elisha's just kind of ornery. But he goes up to Elisha, and Elisha says, Go to the Jordan River and be baptized seven times. He says, Dip seven times in the Jordan River. And Naaman says, What? The Jordan River? Water? What does that have to do with being healed? We have better water back in Syria. I wouldn't even use your water here in Israel, the Jordan River. Are you kidding me? Seven times? What does that have to do with anything? And finally, after such an arrogant response, one of his servants said, Hey, uh, master, he's not asking you to do a hard thing. He's asking you to go down in the water seven times. Why not give it a shot? And Naaman humbles himself and obeys. And what happens after he dips seven times? he's healed. And there's the key. He humbled himself and obeyed. It led to a healing. Humbled, obeyed, leads to healing. Humbled, obeyed, leads to healing. Baptism is not what saves you. The water is not what saves you. The Jordan River didn't save Naaman. God saved Naaman. But it was the humility and the act of obedience that led to to the healing so do I have to get baptized as we close do I have to get baptized well I just got to tell you this and some of you aren't going to like me after this answer I can't stand that question do I have to do I have to get baptized and you just hear the three-year-old whine do I have to get baptized <laughs> man and a woman comes and talks to me and, and, and they want to get married. Let's just pretend I have an office, but I don't have an office. I actually do it in, in the master bedroom, but master it serves. and they're sitting there talking about being married and she's going through the wedding ceremony. She's got a big smile on, his, on, on her face and there's the guy over there. Of course, the guy's never talking in this conversation, by the way, but he has his feet propped up on my desk and he's just kind of rolling his eyes and after she goes through all the plans, he just looks at me and said, do I have to get married? The tux is so expensive. The ceremony is so embarrassing. I don't like the public stage I don't like talking in front of people it's going to be so embarrassing verbalizing my love for her in front of a whole crowd of people do I have to get married well I'm sure your fiance here is impressed no you don't have to get married you can walk out of here right now you don't have to get married do I have to get baptized no you don't have to if you want to obey God you do it's a commandment. How in the world could you ever follow Jesus and not obey him? So pardon me if you ever ask me, do I have to get baptized? And I get a little snarky look on my face and I don't have a whole lot of compassion for it. It was important to God. It was commanded by God. It was exampled by his son. It joins us with Christ. I just got to tell you, It's a privilege to be baptized. It is an honor to get in that water and to humble yourself and obey the command of a living God. So what is it? What is it for you? Jesus was stripped and beaten beyond recognition. Are you too embarrassed to do it? he carried a cross on a back that was filleted he carried it on a road called the Via Della Rosa as people mocked him and ridiculed him we're asking you to walk down a few feet into a body of water surrounded by people who love you a crown of thorns was pressed into his skull is being baptized too uncomfortable for you nails were driven into his hands and feet and the punishment that should have come upon you and me he took it upon himself so that we could have the hope of eternal life what an honor it is to obey him. The question is, why wait? Why tarriest thou? Why do you delay? If there is conviction in your heart, then let's do it. What are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord.